Today, I have the pleasure of talking with two women who've known each other for many years. Each fills an important civic role here in Grand Rapids. Shyla Pantlin is the director of the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at Aquinas College. Claire Schubert is director of engagement and programming at the Gerald R. Ford Foundation. Welcome, Shyla and Claire. So glad you are here with us. I'd like to start out by finding um, out how you got to know each other. Well, I can I can start, Shy. Um, I was actually interviewing for a teaching job, and Shyla was the person charged with interviewing me. Um, and we met at a Starbucks in East Grand Rapids, and the interview was really more like a really nice, wonderful, warm conversation. And by the end of it, I had the job <laughs> and a new mentor. Um, I gotta say, it was it was. I knew right away that she was someone that I would get along really well with, but I think it uh, might have spoiled me as far as expectations for what job interviews were actually like. Uh, <laughs> she was easy on me. Well, and plus it didn't warn you about what the school was truly like either, which was a, a little bit uh, different, but yes, it was a great, it was a great meeting. And you know, the old saying, you know it when you see it. And the minute I, I, Claire started talking and I thought, well, this is over. She's wonderful. She's going to be absolutely great. And she was. She was the best teacher at the school, at Three Oaks Public School Academy. She was phenomenal. Well, but so you've known each other for over 10 years. Yeah. Um, so your relationship has obviously evolved. I'm curious how you like to spend time together and what kinds of things you talk about when you are together. Well, our, our time together isn't as often as we would like because we're both very busy. I mean, she has two children. I have all of my four children living in town with grandchildren. Plus, we both have jobs, and our jobs take up a lot of time. So we try to meet when we can, and we missed last year. Of course, everybody missed last year with COVID, but uh, usually we like to get together at least once or maybe twice during the year to have lunch together so we can commiserate and talk about, you know, what's happening with our jobs, the good and the bad. You know, we go through, we go through all of it confidentially. Of course. <laughs> so you're really sounding boards for each other in a sense that you can really share your your experiences with work, your thoughts about kind of your career path. We also enjoy each other. I mean, that's, I love being with Claire. So. So there's a real friendship that undergirds your, your swap mate relationship or your mentor-mentee relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, you're talking about it sounds like you just have an, a, a natural connection with each other, but can you point to anything in particular that you would say makes your relationship really work? Um, you shared that you both have a career that started perhaps in teaching for each of you, um, but are there other things, maybe uh, shared interests or other life experiences that have also bonded you? Well, yeah, we're both working parents. We both have backgrounds in education, so we're teachers by nature. I think we share a lot of values, which leads to really good conversation, because um, there might be something that happens in my life or in my work, and I know that I can share that with Shyla, and she'll probably feel the same way about it as, as, as I do. Um, so it's just nice to have that person in my life who's who's not a 
parent who's going to back you up no matter what you say, um, but who isn't someone that you're you know in the workplace with, right? So yeah, a sounding board, a friend, a cheerleader. Um, but yeah, I think it's kind of those shared values that really have turned kind of a, a supervisor employee role into a mentorship role into a friendship as well. There's a, there's a great deal of honesty when we're together and trust. Uh, we trust that what we say is just between us uh, and there, um, so in the respect, I mean, I respect her um, fully and I and so I think that mutual respect, I hope it's mutual, uh, comes through. Uh, so it, that, that makes a difference in our relationship. You know, when you, you know, when you meet somebody and you say, gosh, I, I wish you were my best friend. This is really so nice, so comfortable. And that's how it always is with Claire. She's just a really comfortable uh, person that you want to be around. And I'm sure everybody thinks that way or believes that about her. Oh, it's yeah, Feelings are definitely mutual. I cannot guarantee that everyone who meets me has that feeling, but thank you, Shai. <laughs> but the feelings are definitely mutual. I feel like I can confide things in her and be very honest with her and that she'll give me honest feedback and the confidence that I'm needing in that situation. Um, yeah, very, and very, a ton of respect for Shai. I think we have similar paths, but she's a little further down the path. And I have a lot of respect for everything she's accomplished and seen and lived through. And I really admire her and her take no funny business from anybody attitude. <laughs> yeah. And that tells us a lot about your relationship with each other. I also curious about uh, knowing more uh, about each of you as individuals. And I'm wondering, and maybe Shai, I'll ask you to start, what would you say are things you're passionate about or, or that make you feel very alive? Well, that's, that's easy for me, especially at my age. Family, friends, and work. And, and everything else is, is, is part of that. You know, if I'm traveling, I'm traveling with friends or my family. Um, at work, I love who I work with. I love what I'm doing in my job. Um, my, you know, so it's all, they're all intertwined. So it's, it's about family. And because I'm so lucky, all four of my children moved, they all went away to school. I thought I'd never see them again. They'd say, bye mom, I'm done with you. But they all came back to Grand Rapids and three of them actually live within a mile of where I work. So they're all like in a little circle, except for one that went out to Ada. So how lucky, you know, how lucky. So yeah, friends, family, and and work. That's that's what I'm passionate about. And then if I have time for a little reading and a little sports and politics, I'm done with for a while, but um, then my life is good. And I'll just follow up with a question. Tell us just a little bit about what you do as director of the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute here in Grand Rapids. Well, this is a program of 124 uh, other Osher Lifelong Learning Institutes around the country. We are a lifelong learning program for people 50 and over who want to learn simply for the joy of learning. There's no grades, there's no papers, uh, there, you know, you don't have to worry about any pressure. You just come and you are able to learn what you didn't learn the first time around. You know, we all know we went to college and it was great, but we also had a lot of fun. History of art, of art was always a class I wanted to take, could never get into at the University of Michigan. But um, I, I'm now able to have all these wonderful history of art professors from all over West Michigan come in and teach at our program so I can learn 
what I missed before. And that's how everybody else feels that comes to this program. They, um, they come to learn uh, about uh, academic subjects, spiritual subjects, and subjects that might have to do with cooking or, or art classes or how to, how to uh, uh, get your clutter out of your house. We've had some classes about that. So we have a little bit of everything. We had the police chief here last week. Um, we've had mayors, probably three mayors of Grand Rapids since I've been here, come and talk often to our students. So it's a place to learn, and um, and you can be younger than 50, but most of our people are about 65. They're retired. They're professionals for the most part, and uh, they just want to keep keep learning. Plus, it's the camaraderie. It's being with other people, and even though we're not on site right now because of COVID and not sharing the coffee and cookies and conversations that everybody loves with the classes. Uh, we're getting a tremendous response from people joining on these Zoom classes. They really are, are loving it. They're loving seeing each other and, and, seeing, and seeing these wonderful professors. So we keep rolling. And um, I should say that all the alleys are affiliated with universities or colleges, all the 124 across the country. So we are lucky enough to be affiliated with Aquinas College. Well, Claire, what about you at this stage of your life? What are you passionate about or what makes you feel most alive? Uh, well, I'd echo what Shai said, of course, family and my kids. Um, I think career-wise and really outside of my career as well, for me, teaching has really become sharing. And I, I don't mean to sound like a coffee mug saying or anything, but that's really what teaching is, right? It's sharing knowledge, it's sharing experience, um, and it's sharing opportunity. And uh, when I met Shyla, I was a classroom teacher. I now direct the educational programming through the Gerald Ford Foundation. So more than ever, I find that I have this opportunity and this platform to share opportunities with students that they normally wouldn't have. You know, we're really lucky that we have a presidential museum and foundation right in our town. There's not a lot of cities that can can claim that. Um, and that affords me the ability to give these really unique and rich learning opportunities to kids. And I think, you know, that's always been a passion of mine. I've always felt that people should use what they have and share it with other people and make things possible for other people. And when I started teaching at the school where Shyla hired me, um, it was a very, it's an at-risk population and I was teaching special education and I had a group of little boys and we were going to do some writing and I wanted them to, to tell me in their journals, you know, where, they, where would they want to go if they could go anywhere in the whole world? And, you know, you know, you ask a lot of kids that you're probably going to hear like Disney World or Lego Land or something. And so that's what I was expecting. And they said Pizza Hut. And I said, yeah, Pizza Hut's really good. It's almost lunchtime. We're probably hungry. But, you know, like where else would you want to go? Because to me, in my privilege, Pete's going to Pizza Hut wasn't a big deal. And so as this young teacher who wasn't very experienced yet, I'm telling them, well, yeah, but where else would you want to go? You could go anywhere. You could go to a different country. You could go here. And these kids couldn't get beyond Pizza Hut. That was the answer. And, and it, they weren't going beyond that. And it took a little reflection to realize that for them, going to Pizza Hut, which if you think about it, like you go and you sit down and you have a server that brings you pizza, that was a really big deal for them. And it probably wasn't something they got to do very often. Um, and that was really what they wanted to do. And that was an eye-opening conversation to make me realize the sort of privilege that I had had. Um, you know, I come from a middle-class family in Detroit. Um, 
but still the experiences that I had had that I assumed other children had as well. And it was an eye-opening experience as a young, you know, 20 something teacher to realize that that wasn't true. And I, that kind of confirmed in me that part of teaching is providing those opportunities and those experiences. And I think it's really interesting that now in my career, that's what I'm doing is field trips and learning experiences and, and connecting, uh, you know, like the mayor of our city with students to have a conversation together. So I'm very, very passionate. I, I don't think that's just true to the teaching profession, but something that we all should do is to recognize what we have and what blessings we have and make sure that we share them in any way possible. So I'm, I'm just wondering now, because you've had this relationship for years, and both of you being teachers, um, do you think that your SWAT mate relationship has helped you answer those questions in a different way? So questions about your passion or about your values. Has you, for Claire, knowing Shyla, has that changed? Uh, maybe your understanding of yourself or of some of these uh, really personal things that, that you've just shared with us? Yeah, I think Shyla can, our conversations, I think she confirms some things for me. You know, I'm still at a stage in life and in career where I, I don't always know, like, is my reaction appropriate? Like, was that really, you know, what I thought it was? Did, am I reading too much into this? You know, there's a lot of like, I get in my head about a lot of things and being able to talk through them with somebody else and getting that confirmation um, that yeah, what you're feeling is is good and appropriate. And here's maybe a way that you might move forward with that. Um, so yeah, I, I think it helps me to see those values and probably helps me to act on them more um, just by having that person that kind of you know affirms that you might be feeling and kind of cheers you on and that you can do it um, in the background. So yeah. I'm gonna break for just a moment to remind listeners that this is Generation Swap, a podcast about connecting people across all stages of life. My guests today are Shyla Pantlin, Director of the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at Aquinas College, and Claire Schubert, Director of Engagement and Programming at the Gerald R. Ford Foundation. Uh, you've answered quite a few questions, both about your uh, just your own selves and now about your relationship. Shia, I have a question specifically for you, and I'm wondering, when you look back over the course of your life, is there a thread that connects the kinds of work that you've done, um, both formal paid work, but also maybe volunteering or family responsibilities that you've had? Well, my thread is my mother. I mean, my mother was um, was someone that if, if there was a world peace, she was sure I had something to do with it. So she was so confident in my abilities to do whatever that it led me to do things that maybe girls didn't do at the time back a long time ago. Uh, in the 50s, I was a paper girl at age eight and no one was a paper girl. They were all paper boys. So I would be teased, but I didn't care. My mom said, go out and do it. You can make some money doing that. Um, you know, it was never if you're going to college, it was when you're going to college. I mean, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. I was the last of eight, but she just kept, you know, on that you can be whatever you want. So, um, and she was kind of a, a bit of a director, which led me to start. I, I loved directing little kids when I was five and little play things. And then in sixth grade, I actually directed a whole show in my sixth grade class. I even got to 
auditioned my fellow students for parts and did that and, and uh, continued that in high school and then went into um, uh, producing and directing in college, which uh, was another field that was mo mostly men, not women. Um, and I, I love doing that. But of course, you know, when you get married, you want to do something where you're home more. So then I got into education, which is also where my mother came, comes in because she was a teacher. And um, she, in her 70s, went back and got her master's degree. So she was always moving us forward, you know, with education. So I thought education's a great field to be in. And that's how I, I got into um, teaching. And again, I directed musicals in high school, so I was back doing my directing thing a little bit, but part of my education. But it was always my mother. It was, it was my, my thread was that encouraging person behind you, pushing you to say, you can do more, you can, whatever you set your mind to, you, you, you can do it and don't let the roadblock or, or people that try to undermine you get to you, just keep moving. I mean, something that I, that I learn a lot from Shyla is, is just kind of that, that confidence and you know knowing when to advocate for yourself um and i wish i had a lot more of that you know as a teenager and in my young 20s i think the biggest thing i'm learning um personally is about control and i say that because i am also a parent and i think going into parenting I thought, well, I have a master's degree in early childhood development and I've taught all these kids and I'm a pretty good teacher. So I got this parenting thing in the bag. I'm gonna be the best mom. And uh, it was a hard lesson to learn that that didn't translate into having it easy as a parent. It's a completely different ball game. Um, I thought falsely that I, that number one, that my children would be just like me because that's what people say all the time, right? Like, oh, it's your mini me. Oh, she's just like her mom or just like her dad. I thought they would be just like me. I thought that if I read the right books, my children would sleep through the night. I felt that if I read the right books and did all the right things, they'd be potty trained in three days, just like it said, you know, the headline of the article promised. And none of that happened. Um, and it was kind of you know, you don't learn it the first time. So then you get another lesson and I'm getting closer and closer and closer to learning that there are a lot of things that are out of my control. I think a lot of us are learning that this year, that a lot of things are beyond what we can control and just learning that kind of flexibility and learning to be okay and to release certain things, to let other people come in and take care of things when that's appropriate. Um, so that's something that I would love to go back to and say, you don't have to be perfect. Everything you do isn't going to work the first time. It's okay to kind of fail forward in this. And just as long as you're learning as you're going, then you're doing the right thing. Now, I say that, I'm still learning that. So I just want you to know that's in process. Um, but that's something that's really that I'm facing, especially in the last few years of being a parent. But she was also like a very uh, a wonderful mentor to me too, because it isn't easy being a principal of a school, an elementary school. And uh, for me, when I'd always been in secondary and um, there were times when I, with personnel that I just thought, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do with this person. And I thought, I'm going to talk to Claire. <laughs> She'll have a great idea. She knows what's going on and she will set me straight as to, you know, don't worry about that. Don't let the, you know, the, the, uh, if there's undermining going on by someone, don't worry about it. 
it just keep moving forward. She doesn't remember that, but there were many times when she gave me that extra little boost. So it was the teacher, you know, training the principal in a way. But um, you know, we learn from each other, don't we, all the time? So it's great. You know, and it's your answer to that question that's really a key to what we're trying to do with this podcast project, because although there's a certain sense in which people in the second half of life can be wonderful guides to people in the first half in that kind of traditional mentoring relationship, we realize that often the exchange is mutual and that a younger person can also validate the life experience of someone who's older or help them um, see the the younger perspective on certain issues. Um, there's just all kinds of things that can be mutual. So your, your response is really interesting um, that your relationship has provided both of you some real benefits. And now I'm curious, you've both mentioned your childhoods and talked a little bit about your parents. When you were growing up, were you encouraged to think deeply about your talents, your interests, and how you might use those in, in your life? Yeah, I, I definitely was. Um, I definitely was encouraged. I was, you know, I got good grades in school. I played the flute and I think my parents were the ones who would, you know, see someone playing the flute on TV and say, Claire, that could be you, you know, you could do that or, you know, trying to, to really kind of encourage that. Um, so yeah, they definitely did. So did my teachers. I had wonderful, wonderful teachers at Regina High School and in, in Harper Woods, Michigan, um, and at Aquinas College as well that, you know, took the time to forge relationships with me and really encourage me and um, give me that confidence. Um, one thing, though, I think is still is still true, and it was definitely true when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, is that as much as we encourage talent, uh, I think when I was growing up, there was still a very strict adherence to gender roles, you know, and there was, and even if it wasn't my parents saying, oh, you, you should only do this and this and this, I think there's a strong messages that come from our society and our culture that there are certain career paths for women versus men. Um, and yeah, I mean, I ended up in education, which is predominantly, you know, filled with women. But when we look at administrative roles, Shyla's in the minority, right? Because when we look at, at school administrators and uh, administrators and superintendents, those are mostly male dominated roles. So I would love to see, you know, for my girls and, and moving forward that, yeah, teaching is obviously the, the best career there is, but there's also leadership roles within being a classroom teacher, but then also being beyond the classroom teacher and that we should really promote those opportunities to our young women as well. So not to fault anyone in my life, I am just commenting on kind of the time where I was growing up is there wasn't really people saying to me, you could be in charge, Claire, you could be a director of something. Um, you know, I feel like we were channeled into the roles of, of the nurturing types of roles. And there's a place for that. But I, I think we still need to move forward with really showing and teaching our young women um, that those roles exist for them too. And Shyla, you mentioned your mom and how she inspired you with education. Did you get specific help in terms of your interests or your aspirations for career from your mother or from teachers that you had? Teachers. I mean, I really did. I had 
um, in even sixth grade. My, my favorite teacher of all my teachers I ever had was in sixth grade. And she was a phenomenal and I loved her and I wanted to be like her. And, and she was always, she was sort of like my mom. She said, oh, Shiloh, you can do this and you can do that. And, you know, all those little boosts along the way. And then there were other teachers later on and professors in college um, who definitely were mentors to me, who, who gave me advice about, you know, which path I should be taking. And they might have seen something in, in me and, and told me about. So all of those confidence builders are so key to who you are in life. And um, I feel bad for children who grow up without that, without those um, those leaders in their life that, that believe in them and and uh, help give them that push to go forward and, and give them the confidence. It's important. And I'd say that Shiloh was someone like that for me. Um, and not that my parents didn't do that or I had teachers that didn't do that, but she's always been the person saying, you know, yeah, you could do that job for sure. I mean, the, the job I have now, I went from being a first grade teacher to being the, you know, the director of programming at a presidential foundation. And quite honestly, I thought there's no way they're going to pick me. I'm a first grade teacher. And I still had that mindset of like, I'm not prepared for that. I'm not good enough for that. That's, I'm not the type of person they're looking for. And there was no doubt in Shai's mind. She was like, yeah, you could do that. You, they'd be lucky to have you. Yeah. To the point where she was calling people she knew at the foundation and making phone calls that I didn't know about to say, she's the one you want, find her resume and put it at the top because you can stop looking now, you know? And, um, and you need, sometimes we need someone that pushes us a little bit because sometimes that mindset takes over. And for whatever reason, we think, I couldn't handle that next challenge or I'm not good enough to do that. And there has to be someone in your life sometimes that says you are good enough to do that and you will do that. And that's what Shyla does for me um, really throughout, since we met, really, that's how we met is she said, you're perfect for this job. And she never stopped, you know, cheerleading me on. And she actually, Claire didn't need any calls from me. She was the best. She was going to get that job and I knew it. So it, it didn't matter about that. She was so qualified and so perfect for that particular job. And I, I couldn't have been happier to see her in that position. And, and that's the kind of validation that someone can provide as a sort of traditional mentor, because your parents can believe in you and really want to push you along. But I think there's something about a more objective person in your life who um, can look at your skill set and help you figure out that path that makes sense for you and give you that boost of confidence. Um, I'm also thinking about your relationship and the ways in which perhaps you've helped each other tap into your most authentic self. Um, it sounds like, Shyla, you saw leadership qualities in Claire that she may not have recognized in herself. But I'm just wondering about your observations about that in each other. Um, how did knowing um, how did knowing your swap mate help you understand yourself better? How did knowing Claire help yes. me understand myself better? Well, you know, any friendship that you have is a give and take, and so it doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, you learn things from other people. And the friendship, you wouldn't be friends if you didn't, if you didn't have common um, values. And so it, it was, it's just automatic. And, in, and, and being with Claire, I always learned something. I always learned something. 
And it's it's always good. Sometimes it's just patience. You know, sometimes it's, oh, I've got to be more patient like Claire. She's so patient. Um, I've got to be nicer like like Claire is. You know, I mean, she is she is a, a giver. So uh, there's been, how, how has she helped me make it uh, be more authentic? Um, just by maybe mirroring some of the qualities that I see in her that I say, oh, I want to be more like her, you know? I want to do everything in my life that makes life better. And that's how I feel about Claire. That's what she's doing. I want to do everything in my life that makes life better, not worse. And um, so I've gained, I've gained a lot from her. That's what you do with friends, right? Well, I think Shyla must bring out the best in me because you certainly think I'm very nice and I'm not sure that everybody <laughs> would agree. Um, but yeah, I think you are, you know, when you're in the presence of a good friend, um, it does bring out the best in you and not to say that you can't show all of the sides of you and be honest about things that you're struggling with. Um, but yeah, when you surround yourself with people who are good influences in your life, the best comes out from you too. And it's funny that that's the example that you give Shyla, because I feel like, and not that Shyla isn't extremely nice and compassionate and empathetic, but she also is very confident in herself and she's very confident in her knowledge and her, her experience. And if she sees someone doing something that's not right, she's going to call them out when it's, when it's appropriate to do that. And she'll always stand up for herself and whoever she's representing or advocating for at the time. And I think that's something that I get from her a lot or try to glean from her is knowing when do I say something and when do I keep quiet at this point in my career? And at this point in my career, I tend to keep quiet more often than say something, but there does come times where I feel like I really need to, you know, I, I was very, very shy as a child, very shy as a child. And I remember um, being in middle school and doing like the science Olympiad competition. And I don't know if that still is a thing, but you know, different schools would have teams and they'd go to this big competition at this other school. And there was this quiz bowl thing. And there was a team of like four of us and we had to answer these questions. And I didn't answer a single question because I was so terrified of saying something wrong that I just didn't answer. I knew all the answers. I didn't want to say anything. And after our team didn't win and afterwards I'm thinking, gosh, Claire, like you knew a bunch of those answers. And if you would have just said them, like maybe your team would have won, but you were so scared of being wrong that you said nothing and your team lost anyway, you know? And that is an experience that has kind of stayed with me and haunted me a little bit, but I also try to learn from it. And that, you know, sometimes there is times where you do have to speak out. And I think I'm getting a lot better at that. Um, I think some of it comes with age, um, but a lot of it comes with having that confidence and having that person in your life that's kind of validating that and saying, nope, you're right. And you do need to say something and it, and it could make a difference if you speak up about it. Um, and I've had a couple of experiences lately where I've done that and I felt really proud of myself. So I'm trying to leave like the quiz bowl Claire behind and be the person that says like, I said what I needed to say and maybe it made a difference and maybe it didn't, but I feel good that I like at least said it, you know? Sometimes you have to be careful because you can get into a little trouble if exactly. you're, you know, too, too much out, but um, yeah, I think, I think confidence comes with age and there's a little, when, the older you get to, it's like, I don't care, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I'm going to say this, I believe it. If somebody gets mad at me and they leave my life because of this, too bad, 
you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to speak up. So that comes with age. Um, yeah. and, and with knowing that you have friends other than the one you're, you're speaking so honestly to, you know, so, yeah, that's so. certainly um, that certainly reinforces so much of what psychology has shown us about people in the second half of life, that you start to become more honest with yourself and with what you want in life. And I think that's, again, where a swap mate who's a little bit older can be very helpful for someone as they see that person living more authentically and listening more to their inner voice. Um, so it sounds like you have done that, Shyla, and also been able to model that for Claire. Um, you obviously have a beautiful relationship as um, what we call swap mates, mentor, mentee, a friendship has evolved. But for people who don't have someone like this in their life, do you have any advice about how you might go about finding somebody who can be that sort of sounding board, uh, wind in your wings, someone who really can, can support you? A professor was here yesterday and he was saying that he has a friend that when he meet somebody casually and he feels like a connection and he really wants to know more about that person, he takes it upon himself to call that person and ask if he wants to join him for lunch, you know, or her or whatever, um, it, it, to, to learn more about the individual. And he does, and he started that and he does it now probably once a month, twice a month. He sees somebody and he says, hey, you want to go have coffee or you want to have lunch together? And so he, um, he, he's, gotten more friends that way he's gotten to know more people that way and 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 in a way he's been a swap mate to probably hundreds by now i don't know but i thought that was an interesting story but um significant others can be found anywhere you know you can you can find swap i i i and learn from people in in any generation uh and um it doesn't i, I wouldn't want to live in the villages in florida because they're all over 60 or 65. to me that would be just awful. I just couldn't imagine. So, you know, being with children, I, I learned from five-year-olds. You learn things from five-year-olds. Claire could say that probably about her kids. She learns from them. So just just uh, take the time to, to sit down and, and be a part of somebody's life. Yeah, and I would say just be open to those invitations. You know, if you're if you're the one looking for sort of a mentor, or supporter, or guide, um, just saying yes to things. You know, it, keeping in balance all of your responsibilities and things that you have to do. But you know, there's a there's a lot of us whose first inclination is say, you know, no, I don't want to go to that networking event and make small talk with people. Trust me, like that's not my favorite thing to do at all. Um, but saying yes to, you know, attending certain activities, because like Shyla said, you never know where you might meet someone um, where you could have a real connection with someone or somebody that might, you know, you might mutually benefit each other someplace in the future. So just really being open to different experiences, even if at first it sounds like something you're maybe wouldn't be all that into, you know, life is short and check it out. And, and who knows, you could have this great opportunity. You know, like I answered a, a classified ad, I guess, for a job and went to a Starbucks to meet this lady for a job interview and look what happened. So, you know, I could have said, oh no, I don't know. I don't know if I want to drive that far to work or I don't know if I'm ready for the interview, but you know, it's just kind of like, oh, just go and try it. And what's the worst that could happen? And for me, the best thing happened. So you just never know when that'll be the result. So it sounds like you're saying just say yes. When, when opportunity knocks, just say yes. 
Yes. Within reason. Yeah. Within reason. But be, but be open to things, you know, don't, don't close yourself off to different opportunities because you think you're not good enough for them or that you might not be comfortable in this situation. Be a little uncomfortable. Sometimes you got to be a little uncomfortable. I have learned that a lot lately, especially transitioning from teaching in a classroom to my role. Now I've had plenty of uncomfortable moments, um, but usually out of them, come increased confidence and being prepared for the next time and meeting someone or learning something. So we have to learn to be okay with being a little uncomfortable. I'm gonna ask you each a final question. What's been the most valuable thing that you've gotten from your swap mate? Um, if you had to identify one thing, Shyla, what would you say? Well, it's friendship. I mean, I love being Claire's friend. I'm, you know, probably three times older than she is. And it doesn't matter to her. She's my friend. You know, we we communicate. I like I would with, you know, some of my best friends, my same age friends. So, um, friendship is the best thing. And I and I and I have a, a love for Claire. I I mean I love hearing about her two girls, and I love knowing that she's doing well. And you know, I have this. Um, I, I I hope that that her life is as good as I think it should be. And I I. I think it is. So it's, it's been a really wonderful friendship. And Claire? Well, I feel like I don't even have to answer because you just heard Shai's answer. So everyone should understand like how lucky I am <laughs> to have her. But yeah, it's friendship and having another person in your support system, really, you know, to feel like you have another person to bounce something off of or or just enjoy being around her. I tell you what, COVID needs to end because Shyla, you and I need to go have lunch at Rose's again really soon because this is definitely making me want to have one of our long conversations. But yeah, friendship, confidence, knowing that there is somebody in my corner is is really important. And I hope that everyone has that or can find that. Well, thank you for answering all these questions. Um, I, just one last opportunity, any final thoughts? I mean, thank you to the work that you're doing at Aquinas to create these relationships for other people. And thank you to Shai for being that person for me all these years. And thanks for inviting us to share the story that hopefully you know might inspire other people to connect in, in different ways, so. Just saying that the, the mentorship program that you're doing is is wonderful and the, the people that we participated last year from our program of Ali at Aquinas, they loved it and many are asking uh, to do it again. So uh, that's that's all good, isn't it? It is good. In fact, and I'll just... in fact they're still connecting. They've been connecting, uh, talking to each other over the summer and during the COVID and, and so it's it continues on, which is wonderful. Yeah, Thank that's you. great. Thank you for mentioning that because this podcast is part of a, a bigger project and we are uh, ha having students at Aquinas mentor or be mentored by our, some of your Ali, your Osher Lifelong Learning Institute students who have lots of life experience to share with our young college students. So the podcast is part of a bigger project and effort. Um, and, and I just am so grateful to both of you for spending time with us today. Shyla Pantlin from the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute and Claire Schubert from the Gerald R. Ford Foundation. A big thank you to our listeners. You can find Generation Swap wherever you get your podcasts or on our website, generationswap.com. Until next time. There are endless listening options out there. 
thank you for tuning into our unique podcasting space. It would mean so much if you would subscribe, rate, and review Generation Swap. Our show is sponsored by the Aquinas College Advantage Center. Our director is Dana Hebriard. Our producer is Sean O'Melia. The marketing coordinator is Bridget Avery. And our host is Sydney Camp. We're looking forward to swapping intergenerational stories with you again next week.